Welcome to the Mile High Flight Show, where a Jets fan and a Broncos fan get together to talk about the NFL and other sports. I'm your host, Ryan Marinholtz, alongside Enrique Cisneros, and let's get into this. We have a ton of stuff to talk about today, uh, going over some stuff with the NFL, a few more headlines, not as much big stuff this week, uh, but still a few good stories in there. Uh, and then we're going to visit some of our top draft moments today, uh, look at the uh, NBA and the playoffs coming up here. Uh, and then we'll also visit the UFC and the uh, card that happened last Saturday here. Uh, how are you doing today, Enrique? Uh, I'm doing good, Ryan. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Are you ready to talk about all this? I'm super, super excited, super ready to talk about it all, especially we're getting right towards that time in the NFL season where the draft's about to kick off and all the draft rumors are flying around, so – the few like normal NFL stories are kind of nice, especially uh, especially right away. Stephon Gilmore going to the Colts is it's pretty legit. I love yes. that move so much. Absolutely, it's a, it's a great move for sure. Two years, twenty three million dollar deal with the Colts, and you know the Colts adding Matt Ryan, adding Yannick Ngakwe, Ngakwe. Uh, I'm forgetting they added a few other players um of relative name but they they are a real contender in the a very stacked afc you know as we've talked about in some of the previous episodes here and it's like the afc just keeps getting richer and richer and it's going to be a hard division well especially because i feel like stefan gilmore i thought stefan gilmore was going to sign with it with a contending team a lot earlier in free agency but uh he waited a little bit and signed with the Colts and I think it's a, it's a knockout deal. I think that's kind of what the Colts needed, especially after trading away uh Rocky Sin. Yes. Bringing another corner to um come in and fill that spot and what better than Stefan Gilmer. I know when he went to Carolina, he kind of I don't know, I would say like played a little bit lesser than what he's known for, but I think the Colts defense can take enough pressure off of him to, you know, get back to his former, you know, what was he, Defense Player of the Year in 2019? Is that correct? Get back so, to his yeah. former glory. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think get back to his former glory, especially with Darius Leonard, the linebacker, man in the middle. We got Matt Ryan on the other side. Yeah, I think um, it's going to be the culture just so stacked. And every time you start thinking about the culture, like, my goodness, this is a real contending team. Absolutely. Yeah. And they, they already had a super strong roster minus the quarterback, uh, you know, from last season, uh, it didn't work out with Carson Wentz, but that core has been there. You know, even you think about when Andrew Luck retired, they were primed for, they had just come off, I think a divisional round berth. Uh, I don't think they got to the conference finals or the conference championship in 2018. Um, but then going into the 2019 season, you thought they had a serious chance to contend. And then you get into the preseason and Andrew Luck retires and they've just been looking Rams. for that quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, all power to him. I'm glad he's doing well. I'm glad his, he's not getting injured anymore, you know, but the Colts were just or stuck sitting there and they're like, we have a kind of how the Broncos have been kind of just sitting there with a, a contending level roster without the quarterback to get them there. Um, so they've got that in Matt Ryan. Like you said uh, and brought up the Yannick Ngakwe trade, 
uh, included Rocky Sin. So they took out a young, talented cornerback they had, and now they've replaced him with uh, a more proven, at this moment, better talent um, in Stephon Gilmore. And uh, yeah, just an all-around great move. Um, and then moving on here, uh, another veteran as well, A.J. Green, returns to the Cardinals on a one-year deal. Uh, struggled last year with the Cardinals uh, after being or, or signing for, with them coming off the uh, Bengals. And, um, you know, you hope that he can bounce back. I guess sort of like Julio Jones, just one of those veterans that uh, has been known to be uh, better and went to a different team for the first time in their careers and just didn't have the year that they hoped they would. So. Uh, we'll have to see what happens with him. I think Julio's was kind of more based off of injuries, though, wasn't it? And That's AJ's true. Maybe just underperformed. Off, yeah, maybe. I mean, I'm not going to deny that maybe injuries at this point in his career, you know, as they mount up, um, yeah. you know, it's obviously just take something away from you. But, yeah, I would definitely say that maybe AJ just kind of underperformed a little bit. He had some moments. I mean, I definitely saw some uh, – I mean, I think he burned Trayvon Diggs. I think there's a big highlight of him burning Trayvon Diggs yeah. for a big touchdown. So he had his moments. I mean, AJ, you know, baller's going to ball. AJ Green's a baller. So it's eventually true. he's going to have a little bit of shine. But I'm, yeah, I'm glad to see AJ gets back. I, I love to see like these real, and we'll talk about AJ Green a little bit later in the show for me as well. But, um, I love to see like these guys that are just stalwarts in my memory and in my like football fandom, like AJ Green and like Patrick Peterson get like a random deal because it's just like just keep fighting, guys. Just just hang on in there. I just yeah. love to see it. Yeah, just keep getting that bag, you know, and yeah, keep exactly. playing football. Keep getting another chance. Yeah, yeah exactly. At, at this point, they're savvy veterans sticking around, and that's not nothing in an NFL that's getting increasingly younger and younger. You know, so it, uh, but yeah, good move for him. And I definitely think the Cardinals is, is a good spot for him. And it's possible he just needed some time to get that chemistry down with Kyler and in, in, uh, in that offense, definitely different than what he's done in his career prior. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with him. Uh, another wide receiver deal here, Sammy Watkins signing with the Packers on a one-year $4 million deal. Uh, you know, decent signing for the Packers. It's a cheap deal. You would expect Sammy Watkins not to be the number one wide receiver. Um, but if that's how the Packers view it, then no thanks. But in, in my opinion, anyway, I, I would imagine they have to draft somebody. And if they don't, that's it would be very Packer-like. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say it's kind of what they do. They but, you know, now you start to look at that Devontae Adams move and you go, hmm, like, you're going to give Aaron Rodgers Sammy Watkins. Like, that's because uh, MVS is gone, too. So, yeah. who who's really their number one target? Just I off the top of your head. I think the only other, like, the top wide receiver they have now is Alan Lazard, other than Sammy Watkins. Yeah, exactly. And um, I just don't know how much I trust Alan Lazard as my number one wide receiver next to Sammy Watkins. That just that that just doesn't sound as good. And it no. really just lets you know how big of a part Devontae Adams was a part of that offense because now 
legitimately Sammy Watkins is probably your your more your he's definitely your most well known wide receiver. Right. You still have Randall Cobb, I guess. But I don't I, yeah. I would you I consider guess. him your number one wide receiver? Like you have like a collection of two and court. threes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I would consider yeah. Cobb like a strong third. Yeah, I guess if anybody can elevate a room of twos and threes, it's going to be Aaron Rodgers. But uh, I, MVP. Yeah, that's true. It's very true. Um, I, I, if it was me, if I was the Packers, I would want to almost trade up if you need to. I don't know off the top of my head where they're picking. I guess it would probably be in the um, like late twenties or mid twenties. Um, so I would trade up if you need to, to get like a top, top wide receiver. Somebody you think that is straight away going to be Drake a contributor. Be so nasty. Yeah. Bay. Yeah. Drake London would be so nasty. It'd yeah. Be that's a big target. Yeah. It'd be ridiculous. We yeah. cannot let this happen. We cannot let this happen. I agree. I really do not like the idea of that at all. We cannot, but, we cannot let Aaron Rodgers get a premier young wide receiver like that. I I totally agree. Um, So to move on here, another deal for Deshaun Elliott, a safety. He's signing with the Detroit Lions on a one-year deal um, coming from the Ravens. And I I really thought he was solid with with the uh, Ravens and sad to see him go, but glad to see him land with the Detroit Lions, a team we talked about, uh, I believe it was last week, um, in our pre-draft coverage. And uh, definitely a solid addition for them there. Uh, you know, another kind of stopgap veteran, if you want to put it that way, uh, for them at safety. Um, and so they'll eventually want to get younger there, but maybe that takes away uh, a need that you were looking to potentially fill in this draft that you can wait until next year now uh, because you've picked up Deshaun Elliott. Right. Um, and then, so our next big story here uh, with the Washington Commanders, Congress, that they, uh, they've told the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, that they found evidence that uh, the commanders may have engaged in illegal financial activity for more than a decade, reportedly hiding ticket revenue from the league. And I can't from say from, from yeah, from, well, I guess from both. I, from my understanding of the situation, or at least what's been parroted out there, um, is like, I guess they're, they have like two sets of financial books and one that they're presenting for taxes, but then one that they're presenting to the league and that they differ. And so they've been lying to the uh, league about the revenue and then pocketing some of it. How, for, how much money are... How much money are the Washington Commanders really making that they have to do that right now? No do one's they... a Washington Commanders team. Stop. No, right. like no one. No one likes them. Besides, besides maybe that black Chase Young jersey, because I did see. I don't know if he wore it, but I saw like an edit or something of him in a full uniform. I was like, dang, that does look clean. I cannot. I can't even front. Can't. I know I was just talking all that shit about him, but that <laughs> uniform is clean on Chase Young. So. To be fair, but everything looks clean on Chase it. Young. That's very true. Chase Young is the man. But um, yeah, there's that's crazy. That's absolutely insane. I wonder. I wonder if Dan Snyder's eventually going to have to like sell a team or. Um, uh, I would after this. Like, uh, 
the Clippers dude where he was forced to sell. Oh yeah, or something like that. I you would think. I mean, you would think that would have happened after the uh, sexual assault scandal and all that. I mean, there's a number of things that you could list off that he's uh, been a part of. Dan Snyder, the owner, that like at some point the league has got to let go. Like this is affecting the league's image, not just the commanders or the football team or whatever. You know what I mean? It's like at some point you got to pull the plug. And I feel like literally lying about money and stealing from the league, that's got to be it. I don't, if, if they're not going to oust Dan Snyder after this, I don't know what is going to get him ousted. Yeah. I mean, with the, did a lot come out? Did they get like truly in trouble for the sexual assault stuff? Because I'm wondering if, if altogether it's one of those like maybe with this and then if some of that sexual assault stuff comes back and holds concrete that maybe altogether that is enough for like i would imagine when you're trying to kick a billionaire out of a club with other billionaires you have to have some pretty damning evidence because billionaire reasons you know right yeah i mean you would think congress and the FTC getting involved, so it would be enough for that. But as far as the sexual assault stuff, my understanding, I haven't read about it in a, in a little bit now, but my understanding uh, the last time that I did was that, uh, like, I, I don't think any actual charges were pressed, anything like that, but they did have an internal investigation within the league, but the league appointed, like, Dan Snyder to do an internal investigation on his own franchise you know what i mean so how much you're really gonna get out of dan snyder investigating himself i i I don't i don't know about that um but that was the last place that i saw that it got taken and then obviously his uh investigation they came out and they were like oh they didn't find that much and like three people got fired right Yeah. yeah Yes, that's just how this goes now, or how it's always gone. But you know, yeah. yeah hopefully, this is enough to take them down because uh, he's somebody that has should have been gone from the league for a good while now. Um, yeah, and then, uh, so our next story here and our final uh, NFL headline here: Kyler Murray not expected to play this upcoming season unless he receives an extension. I, I mean. Interesting timing. Obviously, I get all the young quarterbacks wanting their money. How many more Kyler, years does he have on his record on his rookie deal? How many more years? Uh, he was drafted in 2019, so and it's we're going into the 2022 So what? A year or two? He doesn't so, do a That's crazy. Yeah, I, it's. I mean, I understand like asking for your money when all these other quarterbacks are getting out? paid. Yeah, two years out. It's early, but in this new age, like that's a thing that happens. But particularly for him, it's confusing to me because he just got into the playoffs and then had like one of his worst games of his entire career and embarrassed himself. And then yeah. he turns around and is like, yeah, but I want like Patrick Mahomes money or not Patrick Mahomes money, but like I want like, you know, big quarterback money. And it's like, well, you just got to the playoffs and embarrassed yourself. Do you want to? prove yourself a little bit more than that first or 
Like, yeah, I would like that. Definitely makes sense. If I'm being honest with you, I think Kyler Murray is straight up like he's definitely gone a different way than I thought he was going to. And like, I'm not talking about his play. I think his play has been pretty much give or take right where I expected him to be. Um, I thought he was going to do good. Didn't know how necessarily game changing he was going to be. He's been great though. He has been. Yeah. He's shown flashes of greatness. Um, and other times I'm like, meh, yeah, he does all right for sure. But altogether, as far as his personality goes, completely the opposite way that I thought it was going to be. Like, and I don't know where, and I don't mean to necessarily bash him because I don't know him personally and I haven't seen all too much uh, media coverage of him. But the few headlines that have come out this offseason – I've just been absolutely ridiculous. They've just been off the wall type stuff. Like, you know, where well, at first it was the Cardinals saying that he was selfish or something. And then his agent came out and said that he needs, they need to apologize. Like, uh, yeah, that, that, that was a big old headline for a second. Then apparently he was supposed to get traded or something that came out for a quick minute. And yeah, now he's not going to play until uh, he gets an extension. That's, that's crazy it's, from a guy that's going into his third year, right? Like this is his, he's going into his third year. Yeah, I, I believe so. Nine, 19, 20, 21, 20. Yeah. So it'd be his 30, a third year. Um, and yeah, I totally agree with you. He even put out, uh, there was like that letter, like full, full on letter that he put out on social media saying he feels he deserves to be paid this money and he's this kind of teammate and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, okay. If you say so, Kyler, I mean, usually if you're, you know, a shining example of a teammate, you don't have to release a letter telling people that, you know what I mean? And explaining your position. And it's like, it's kind of just a given. So just the fact that he feels the need to explain himself, like, it, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't dislike Kyler. And like you said, he's, he's shown a lot of talent. I don't dis, or I don't, uh, disagree that he will probably end up turning into a like top 10 top 15 uh quarterback for sure i mean he may even already be scraping the top 15 i would have to like list it out but um you know right there's a lot of talented quarterbacks in the league right now but i think he would have to be approaching that and he did i think does he have two straight um pro bowl appearances now or is it just one i I think no, I think he's got two. I think he made his rookie year and then made his second. I think it, it might be alternates, but yeah, yeah, I, I think so too. Um, yeah, I, he's a good player, and you know, like I said, or like you said, rather, uh, I'm kind of surprised that he's like there. You ha- heard the concerns coming into the draft about character or how much he loves football or blah 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 blah. And those are usually things that you can just ignore because it's media talk and stuff, but it has kind of manifested a little bit here where like you wonder at what level to, is he committed to the football aspect of it? If he's more concerned with his money this soon into uh, his career after really not, I mean, it's, I wouldn't say he's carried the Cardinals team, Like he has certainly been a very large part of their success, but their defense has been good. Um, And, you know, obviously you need the offense to do their part and the defense can't just do everything. 
So he's a huge part of that, but it's not like he's been the one reason why the Cardinals are where they are. And they just got to the playoffs and flamed out in the first round. And I'm like, yeah, I, yeah, I definitely don't disagree. And you're throwing to a generational talent and DeAndre Hopkins. So that makes, that makes things a bit easier. I don't know, dude. I'm just saying like, maybe, maybe just be a little bit, you know, more, more focused on, this year, I, I think, yeah, like you have to, you have to take, you have to look at two, two very young quarterbacks that are, you know, about to get contract extensions. You have to look at the way Kyler Murray's uh, handling and the way Lamar Jackson's handling it. And we talked about Lamar Jackson a lot last week when we did the pre-draft analysis for the Ravens. But you know, Lamar Jackson is not even literally talking contract negotiations until after next season. And Kyler Murray's doing it two years early. So, yeah. you know, it just kind of goes to show there's they're just two different types of people. That's all. I don't want to accuse Kyler Murray of anything or not not accuse Kyler Murray of anything. But there's just definitely two types of people. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure, you know, whether it's from the Cardinals or another team, uh, if he ends up getting traded, he'll he'll get his money. Um, no and, way they'll trade him, though. No way they'll trade him. Yeah, I mean, we've he, seen a lot of quarterbacks be, get traded just because they want to, you know. He would have to be – yeah, I mean, I guess that's true. Deshaun Watson literally did just do that. So, I guess that's and, true. But I guess, like, without without him straight demanding a trade like that, no way they trade him. Uh, yeah, well, with Kyler, you never know. That could be a, a reality at some point here. But, I mean, at least at the moment, he's a Cardinal. I don't foresee that changing anytime soon. But it could, depending on the way that this goes down. If you're the Cardinals, even if he's doing this, just give him the money. And kind of like we talked about with the Lamar, I'm always with pretty much every quarterback. If you feel like he's your long-term guy and you feel confident in that fact, at least, I say pay them as early as possible and structure the contract have you as you've seen with some of these contracts uh where the first couple of years of the contract will be uh like it'll be backloaded so the first couple of years don't have as much uh, money on the books and it saves some cap space so you still have a, a window to compete in and some money to get free agents and stuff like that um and so the earlier you get that contract done though you have a lower market price for that quarterback and the longer you want to wait the higher the price is going to be. So from the Cardinals perspective, I feel like Kyler's probably shown enough that you could probably commit to him at this point. And if, if it's going to become a whole thing, just do it, it, it you know, in my opinion, um, and just get it over with and, you know, move on. Um, but uh, with that, I suppose we can go ahead and uh, move on to uh, each of our top five favorite draft moments, uh, just overall in the NFL, uh, the draft has been very entertaining at times, also boring for more of the time. Uh, but, you know, always an interesting event to watch. So much uh, talking leading up to it. And then, uh, you know, half the time, all of the things that we say don't even end up mattering anyways because the players go on to do completely different things. Take like Justin Herbert, who pretty much everybody except for Enrique uh, thought you. was gonna 
was gonna bust thank you uh <laughs> but uh yeah and then he comes out and just balls and his first game goes toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes um so uh you know draft is always interesting and it's become kind of taken on its own life as kind of, of like almost a reality tv show event um so uh, I suppose we can go back and forth here and uh, if you want to start off with your first moment, Enrique. Uh, yeah, so my first, my favorite, my number one draft moment is probably the 2009 NFL draft. And mine are going to be kind of like whole drafts altogether. And I'll kind of get into like little specific reasons why. Um, but I mean, the 2009 draft is huge for me, mostly because it was the first draft that I really – like started looking at backlogs of players and watching their, you know, their college tape. And I really tried to like, you know, figure out who's going to be good and who wasn't going to be good. Um, You know, so it was kind of a turning point in my NFL fandom for sure. And it was, I mean, randomly the same year. I mean, the Jets suck every year, but, you know, we had the fifth overall pick that year and we took Mark Sanchez, which was really cool. Because, you know, as a, a young brown dude coming from Denver, Colorado, to see a, a young brown dude get picked fifth overall, um, you know, just by playing ball, was really, really cool to see another Hispanic male get picked uh, super high like that uh, by my yeah. favorite team. It was really, really cool. Um, mm. And I watched that draft um, at my grandma's house. And, I, you know, the draft is always a big thing for me and my family because – um, I usually watch it with with all of them. You know, I'll watch it with my dad for sure. Um, it's kind of a tradition of ours at this point. Um, nice. and yeah, we watched that here at my at my grandma's house, and uh, yeah, it was just super super cool. And that draft was just stacked. I mean, off the top of my head, Stafford was in that draft. Um, I know the Broncos took uh, No. Sean Moreno that draft. Yeah, Brian Cushing. You know, Percy Harvin, uh, Clay Matthews. There's just like, it was just, it was just a super cool draft, uh, altogether. I remember, um, you know, the Broncos taking Osha Moreno. I was actually legitimately excited because the Broncos had took a skill position player, and <laughs> Osha was super good coming out of Georgia. So I was really yeah. excited. He jumping over people, love Osha, and yeah, love Osha, especially. Uh, oh, and then he got, um, there Williams mom's permission to wear his number which was super cool too yeah um you know so yeah loved 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 a lot of moments in this draft um so yeah it's got to be it's got to be my number one for me that's awesome yeah that's that's definitely a very talented draft uh special you know spot in my heart for no Sean Moreno obviously as a Broncos fan one of my favorite running backs just bar none uh to watch as as a young kid and um yeah I, and that's a great draft for sure um and then so my first moment uh in the 1994 draft who in the hell is my, mel kuyper anyway uh this was one of the funniest things i swear so um after the colts they t- had two first round picks uh i don't have the numbers i believe it was like two and seven or something like that um but they took marshall Falk running back uh, who ended up being he is a hall of famer right here if yeah. he isn't he should yeah. be um yeah, he's a hall of famer. good okay uh just making sure 
and then uh, linebacker Trev Alberts in the first round uh, and Mel Kuyper Jr. Uh, you know, obviously always part of the draft coverage um, criticized them for not taking quarterback when they really needed one. And then uh, in a later interview, the Colts GM, Bill Tobin, would just he went on this super long rant, uh, just totally crapping on Mel Kuyper and uh, discrediting him for, you know, the fact that he really has never like been within football at any time, like as a player, as a coach in uh, for an office or anything. Um, but yet he's criticizing and like, you know, it, it kind of worked out in uh, Bill Tobin's favor because he literally did take a Hall of Famer. Um, but that I would urge if you have not heard of this to go look up that little rant. It's like 30 seconds long and it's funny as hell. Absolutely. Yeah, I it definitely works out when you uh, draft Hall of Famer Marshall Falk. When did the Colts did they did, did they just trade Marshall Falk or did he go uh like did he leave like free agency was? Do you know what's up your head? I'm pretty sure he got traded directly to the Rams. That's uh, yeah, that's what, that, that was my thought process too. I thought I thought that he had got traded as well. So yeah. that's what I was like. Well, I mean, yes, he did draft him, but he kind of became a Hall of Famer with the Rams more, more so. so. Like I, yeah. don't, I don't even think of Marshall Fogg as a cool, which is really sad. Yeah, no, I mean me either. Um, oh, oh, but interesting. So I, I'm actually reading about right now though, um, is they uh, they did trade Marshall Falk, the Colts did to the Rams, um, but one of the picks that they got they uh, picked Edron James with, which is also a Hall of Famer and uh, one of their franchise players too. So I guess it was kind of a win-win. Yeah, that's crazy. That's a nice little flip right there. Right. I guess if you're gonna if you're gonna do it, might as well do it that way. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. I wouldn't have traded Marshall Falk in the first place, but it worked out for the Rams. He's a legend there. Um, you, you know, you wish or no? Wait, did he get? Was he was with the uh, Rams when they got their chip? Right in two thousand. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was about to say yeah. you wish he got a, a championship, and then I was like, oh wait, no, he did. So. You know, that's, I mean, one of the defining moments of the NFL wouldn't have happened if the Colts didn't decide to just trade a Hall of Fame running back. But at least Bill Tobin can uh, say that he was right for crapping on Mel Kuyper Jr. Uh, for saying he did shouldn't have taken Marshall Falk. Did Bill Tobin also draft Edron James? Uh, I, I believe he got fired before uh, that draft. Oh, well, then no. Because I was yeah. going to say that that's like two in a row, dog. That's pretty good. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think he had an awful track record as a GM, but, I mean, it's certainly propped up by Marshall Falk for sure. Right. And then what about your second moment, AK? Um, I would say my second favorite draft moment is probably going to be the 2020 or 2012 NFL draft. And that being because the previous year, you know, obviously you have teams that uh, aren't very good. And that whole year, the whole NFL season, 
the teams that were bad were all being implored to suck for luck. And yeah. that was like the biggest thing was that let's just literally tank the season because Andrew Luck is this once in a generational John Elway, you know, Hall of Fame for sure type of guy. And that we should just literally lose all of our games to draft him. And the Colts pretty much almost did that. It was crazy. Like it was it was absolutely insane. Um, but obviously the Jets were surprisingly not in that sweepstakes as much um, because that was kind of when we were getting out of our Rex Ryan phase and so we were still relatively decently competitive. We were just like a middling, uh, like eight and eight team pretty much. Uh, right. But, and then not only that, but then uh, at the same time, RG3, Robert Griffin III, uh, won his Heisman that year, I believe. So he was balling out at Baylor and he was a totally different type of quarterback than Andrew Luck was altogether. Yeah. Um, you know, super mobile, super elusive, like just option offense. RG3 at Baylor was crazy. He was absolutely yeah. crazy. Um, and so you had those two go first and second overall. Um, and even more so, like this draft was just super stacked with just super talented players. Russell Wilson was drafted in this draft. Um, and he was drafted in the third round, you know, and I know Bronco fans love themselves and Russell Wilson, um, you know, and I actually remember when Russ got drafted uh, by the Seahawks because um, at the time I was super into Madden and yeah, they were saying that, you know, Russell Wilson on the Seahawks is going to be pretty nice to use in Madden because he's a small mobile quarterback and sure enough, he came out and won the, won the starting job that preseason and I mean, the rest is history, right? Yeah. But uh, Luke Keekley was drafted ninth overall in that draft. Um, Bobby Wagner, Ryan Tannehill was in that draft. Ryan Tannehill has been great with the, great with the Titans. Um, and then another little bit of controversy um, on the Wash at the time they were the Washington Redskins was they also drafted Kirk Cousins in the fourth round after yeah. they took Robert Griffin the third. And as we all know, if you go back and look at it, Kirk Cousins ended up being the better quarterback of the two. Well, at the time, you know, RG3's rookie season was crazy, but um, Kirk Cousins ended up, you know, doing his thing. And then now he's obviously with the Minnesota Vikings um, as their franchise quarterback. And, you know, uh, had a few, what was it, 4,000 yard seasons, 5,000 yard seasons for the Redskins when he was still their quarterback after RG3 left? Yeah. Yeah. He put up some solid stats uh, while he was still there. Um, obviously enough to prove himself for what was it a three-year like 90 million dollar it was the first fully guaranteed uh contract yeah deal from the um from the vikings so yeah, yeah that 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 draft was uh that draft was crazy for me because you know like i said in 2009 is when i really started um really started looking at stuff and trying to uh get as much knowledge as I could as a football fan. And so 2012, I was just super into everything. So like I was, I was already looking at Russell Wilson where he was going to go as maybe like a second or a third fourth round pick. And yeah, it was just, it's just super cool to see how all those guys have worked out. But it's just some studs in that draft. Yeah. Oh, and then Trent Richardson was in that draft. And like Justin Blackman was in that draft. They both had like crazy crazy things happen in their careers like yeah just not just a weird 
good draft. Yeah, that, that was definitely a fun draft, uh, you know, before and after and seeing how their careers have gone. And it's kind of funny to look at it uh, now when the huge, 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 huge storylines going into the draft was obviously, like you mentioned, the uh, Andrew Luck, Suck for Luck uh, stuff, and then RG3 and his Heisman year and all that. Um, and then those two quarterbacks ended up having – out of the the um, quarterbacks that have had like substantial careers in that draft, some of the lesser and uh, shorter careers of all of them. And you look at uh, Russell Wilson and Ryan Tannehill and Kirk Cousins that you all uh, are brought up. And those guys have had, like you said, not necessarily better in terms of talent, but longer and more substantial careers in the league. Um, unfortunately, than both Luck and RG3 ended up having. Um, so it was interesting to see not only the draft itself, but how it all played out in the years afterwards. Right, absolutely, exactly. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I didn't even think about it like that. But those later round guys arguably have doubled, doubled the other two's careers. Yeah. You know, so... And those were literally the first two picks of the whole draft. Like, right. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's a shame, too, because uh, they were ridiculously talented and just things didn't go their way. But unfortunately, both of them, I guess, you know, Andrew Luck lasting longer than RG3 did, obviously, because he was less of a, um, you know, like you mentioned with uh, RG3 being more uh, athletic and scramble type quarterback than a uh, Andrew Luck, where he was a more prototypical um, pocket passer, but he did have mobility and he had the toughness to go run for some harsh yards a lot of times, um, which was part of the reason why his body broke down, but he was just not the same. uh, Like RG3 was more of like a a Michael Vick, Lamar Jackson type of runner. um, And his body just did not hold up at the next level, unfortunately. Um, but okay. So to move on to, uh, my second moment here, uh, in the 2004 draft, Eli Manning refusing to go to the chargers, uh, and then gets traded to the giants for Philip rivers. Um, and he, Eli actually asked privately before the draft, uh, for the chargers not to be drafted by them. The chargers leaked that publicly, despite Eli, uh, kind of trying to keep it quiet, um, and then still picked him first overall. And uh, Eli even walked on stage, had to hold the Chargers jersey up in front of the crowd uh, while they were getting booed because everybody knew beforehand about not him not wanting to uh, be there. Um, and so they were all mad at him, and he, he just had to, you know, sit there with that. It was kind of funny. Um, and then 45 minutes later, uh, the draft keeps uh, going, and the Giants picked uh, Phillip Rivers fourth overall, and then the two teams made a trade. Um and, you know, both of those quarterbacks, I mean, the 2004 draft is another draft you could talk about um, with all the guys in it, but um, two quarterbacks that uh, should, if they're not Hall of Famers, they're going to be like borderline. And both guys that may kind of like, if they do get into the Hall of Fame, it probably won't be first ballot. Uh, maybe Eli would be first ballot. I can't see Phillip Rivers, if he even gets in, being first ballot. Um, but because of the like 
sustained level of success that they both had um, and the clear fact that for most of their careers, they were the best player on bad teams um, that carried them the entire time. And in Eli's case, only a couple of times had the talent to take them all the way there. Um, you know, two guys. I would, that, think, uh, I would say that Philip Rivers had some, uh, had a lot more talented teams than Eli ever did. Like Philip. Philip had some loaded Chargers teams sometimes. And, As the uh, thing with the Chargers is that they've had stars, like consistent, really awesome stars, but their depth, apart from you think about, there was what like that they were really good in like 2009, I think it was like 2012, and like 2018. Like there's a few years that have been kind of sparse in, in throughout where they had enough depth. Um, but I feel like part of their problem has always been they'll have stars. Like you think about in the last few years, they've had the Derwin Jameses and the Keenan Allens and things like that. But when they're out and when they're injured, their depth is never enough to keep them going. Um, right. And so I agree with you where I would say that Philip Rivers had more like big star talented players. Uh, but they're they chargers have consistently had issues with like actually filling out their roster um where like you look at like the 2000 the super bowl uh, teams with the giants and those were top down just really good teams that deserve right. to be uh where they were uh but yeah no i two two really good quarterbacks uh, and uh, I, I thought that was a really funny moment. Eli, you know, it's kind of a um, – I, I don't know how much I love the idea of, like, telling an NFL team you don't want to play for them, which, like, there are some teams that are kind of trash fires, but you should be grateful to just be in the NFL in the first place. But it resulted in a pretty funny moment. So um, how would you th- – oh, go ahead, Enrique. Uh, no, I was just going to say, I think it's crazy that um, Eli has been the only one that's done that. I haven't heard of anyone else that's ever did that. And if I'm being honest, I, although I agree with you that you should be grateful for getting the opportunity to play, um, I think that if I'm being honest with you, I'd, I'd love to see a, a little bit more drama at the NFL draft. I'd love to see a guy sure. just be like, no, nah, because I mean it's no. people's nature too, you know. Like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm not going there. Like, you're gonna have to figure something out. I'm not gonna play for you. Yeah, uh, I just think that's cool. I mean, John Elway did the same thing, you know, back yeah. in the day. So yeah, it's just um, and you have to. <clears throat> I mean, you can't. Those two are for sure Hall of Famers. John Elway already being in, in the Hall of Fame. Um, and yeah, Eli went and got two bowls with the Giants. So. Like, maybe that is the way. Maybe it just takes a certain type of a Hall of Fame quarterback to refuse to play for the team that originally drafts you. And that's yeah. Crazy, but I yeah, I mean, if, cool. if you're that talented, I guess, you know, you have that leverage to uh, say that or, like, make those kinds of decisions, but uh, not many. I thought the only recent quarterback that I can think of that probably would have had leverage like that, like, realistically, was Kyler because he got drafted so highly in the um, MLB draft. And there was actually a little bit of kind of media drama about that leading up to that 2019 draft where like 
they thought maybe if he doesn't want to go to the Cardinals or to whoever, um, he could threaten to go play for, cause he got drafted by the Oakland athletics. I believe it was like eight or ninth overall, um, which is just crazy when you think about the fact that he got drafted top 10 in two different leagues. Right. Nuts. It's absurd. Um, I'm the fuck. But yeah, there's very few types of players that can pull off that kind of move for sure. Um, so how about your third moment here, Enrique? Uh, um, so my third, uh, draft moment or draft memory for me is probably going to be the 2006 NFL draft. And, um, that was just like, just a super fun draft for me because, um, it was just star studded. Like I loved Reggie Bush coming out of uh, college and, you know, I was just like <clears throat> super young, super, super excited to see a lot of these big name guys coming out and. Reggie Bush was so exciting with that USC offense and him and Vince Young just had that, you know, crazy Rose Bowl game. And, you know, it was just so, so, so star-studded for me. It was just like a star-studded affair. Mario Williams was in that draft. Um, you know, uh, Jay Cutler was in that draft. And the more uh, side note on Jay Cutler, part of the reason why this draft is uh, held in such high regard for me is – because when um, when the Broncos drafted Jay Cutler, they held a like a fan event um, at the stadium. They used to do it every year, um, where it was like a like the Broncos fan day. They used to go down there, and the rookies would be there, and they would have like a small press conference or whatever. And I randomly ran into Jay Cutler as he was like either going to that thing or leaving that event. Um, and I asked him for an autograph, and dude just said no. Nah. And I was like, "Dang, Jay Cutler just doesn't give a fuck." And uh, ever since, ever since then, I was just like, "Fuck Jay Cutler," and I just hated Jay Cutler with a passion. So, yeah, the fact that the Broncos took him and he was their quarterback for such a long time—the minute he got traded to the Bears, I was like, "That's amazing." Um, <laughs> but then he took he took Brandon Marshall with him too, and I was like, "Oh, that's that's not amazing," because I love Brandon right. Marshall so. It was, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a double whammy for sure. But, yeah, that was the beginning of my uh, my hatred for Jay Cutler because he refused to give me an autograph as a little kid. <laughs> That's so funny. That's It's kind of sad, but it's funny you saw at the same time. Shit's terrible. Yeah, he's he's a, a certain type of personality for sure. Um, and, and even more so, like – that draft is legit as fuck because, um, like, arguably it's the greatest Jets draft, like, the, or the greatest Jets first round ever uh, because we took two legitimate, at least, like, Jets ring of famers, um, and they should be in the Hall of Fame, in my opinion, but yeah, uh, we took Nick Mangold and DeBrickershaw Ferguson in that, yeah. in that first round, and those were all-time franchise players for us, like, Solidified the offensive line for years, like just years. And now Nick Mangold is, um, you know, like the Jets ambassador. Like when you think of a, a New York Jet, you think of Nick Mangold almost. And um, and yeah, Brick was he was uh, our left tackle for just such a long time, just holding it down. So yeah, I just I, I wouldn't even be a Jets fan partially without those guys. So yeah, that draft was that draft was legit. That's awesome. Yeah, those are two absolute ballers. I loved Nick Mangold. He was like, I don't know why 
because you know as a kid I didn't really pay attention to the technical or technical part of like offensive linemen but like one of my favorite offensive linemen was always Nick Mangle I just liked him for some reason um and he yeah like just a ridiculously good player and was a consistent force for a really long time he only retired what like two or three years ago it was not that long ago right yeah I would say it's probably closer to like three or four now but yeah it wasn't uh wasn't that long ago like comparatively speaking like like 2018 or something like that yeah yeah something like that yeah but yeah he had a really long career um and yeah both of those guys just consistent forces on that offensive line for sure um and yeah jake cutler's an asshole so (laughs) yeah um all right so my number three in the 1999 draft, uh, Mike Ditka, uh, then the head coach of the Saints, trades his entire draft for just one player in running back Ricky Williams. And they gave up eight different picks, a first, a third, a fourth, a fifth, a sixth, and a seventh in 1999. And then on top of that, a first and a third in 2000, to move up only seven spots from number 12 to five. Um, And then they picked Ricky Williams. It was this whole thing. Uh, They had a magazine cover. I can't remember if it was on like ESPN or I I can't remember what magazine it was, but um, it was an infamous cover of Mike Ditka and Ricky Williams, where Ricky Williams was wearing a, a wedding dress and Mike Ditka was in a suit and they were like posed, like they were getting married. Um, Cause you know, essentially at that point you trade that much. That's he, Mike Ditka was pinning his job on Ricky Williams success. So if Rick, Ricky Williams wasn't just ridiculously good, uh, Mike, had, Mike was probably going to get fired at that point. Um, right. But, you know, and then Ricky Williams would go on to play just three seasons with the saints and Ditka did indeed get fired. Uh, after going three and 13 in that 1999 season. Um, so it did not work out for them. Uh, it kind of did because Ricky Williams, like I kind of think of him more as a dolphin than a saint, but he was a, a really solid running back when he was on the field in his career. Um, and uh, just a super funny moment and like a, just a boneheaded decision, especially when you look at it from the uh, lens of like, today's NFL where running backs are not valued to where like it's view or put down upon or viewed down upon to uh, pick a running back in the first round straight up, like just spending a first round pick on a running back, let alone two first round picks plus your entire draft of one year for just one. Like it's just ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely one of my favorite, like, NFL moments, period, because, like, one, Ricky Williams is just – he was crazy good in college, and so I do understand the thought process of it. But, right. yeah, you're right. Like, if I'm being honest with you, so, obviously, I was born in 95. This happened in 99. So, by the time I knew of Ricky Williams, he was already on the Dolphins, and my grandpa's a huge Dolphins fan. So I've only known Ricky Williams as a Dolphin. And when right. I found out he was like, I found out this happened, 
Ricky Williams was like I like he was like pretty decent. I wouldn't say he was like a top five running back, but he was like I don't know, maybe like a top fifteen running back at the time. So he was yeah. like pretty good. You know, he was pretty decent. He was maybe like fifteen. Like he was pretty decent. Um, yeah. He he ended up with uh, over ten thousand yards in his career, so it's nothing to sneeze at. But he was never like a star star in the league. Yeah, like you know, because like LT was playing around that time too, and yeah, guys like that, like you know, um, Larry Johnson was playing around that time too, and both yeah. those guys were so so good. So yeah, when I found out about this, I was like, "What? Dick is crazy. Dick I don't give a fuck. Just trade the whole draft for like." Ricky Williams. Yeah. So it, it was one of those things that I definitely have to go back and look at how bad Ricky Williams was coming out of college. But also, it just goes to show that Mike Dick is crazy, dude. He just will put his whole balls on the table and literally did that with the Ricky Williams trade. It's nuts. So crazy. I he got fired that same year. I didn't know he got fired the same year, though. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, after doing all that and then going three and 13, it would be hard not to fire him. I, I'm sure at that point they had people like breaking down the gates of the stadium, trying to set it on fire, like fire Mike Dicka. You know, I, I mean, Ricky Williams, like, like we were talking about, he, I, I really like Ricky Williams as a person and he's a, a interesting story to talk about when you talk about like personal growth and, and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, as a player, he just was not the uh, superstar that he was in college. And there were definitely more running backs that uh, overshadowed him and expecting a running back to change your fortunes when you are already a bad team. Like that's the funniest part of it is like you traded an entire draft on a team that could really use an entire draft worth of picks for one running back. <laughs> it's like, okay, sure, Mike. But I mean, you know, I mean, like we said, it results in a funny moment. So I'll, I'll take it. Um, and then how about your fourth moment, Enrique? Uh, my fourth moment is going to be the infamous moment where, so you talked about earlier how I was the only one that believed in Justin Herbert. So there was a, a little while ago uh, in the 2011 draft where I called another quarterback that went first overall that year, Cam Newton. Yeah. Um, I just I just literally called it. Like I remember talking to my dad about. It. I was like, "No, nah, dude, Cam's gonna be a baller. Like Cam's gonna ball the fuck out." And he got drafted first overall uh, by the Panthers. Uh, first game, I think it was against the Arizona Cardinals. Just goes off for like 400 yards, four touchdowns. Second game does the same thing. Like, yeah, Cam Newton came out of the gates just crazy and eventually led uh, led the Panthers to a Super Bowl where they lost to the second overall pick in that draft, Von Miller and the Denver Broncos. Yes, sir. Um, so, you know, like it's one of those things that, that those two – Leading off the first two picks is crazy. Then you have Marcel Darius, who was super solid DT for uh, the Buffalo Bills. AJ Green, like I said, we were going to get back to AJ Green. He was picked fourth overall by the Bengals. Patrick Peterson, Julio Jones, Alan Smith, Jake Locker, Tyron Smith, who's still holding down the Cowboys' left side. Uh, JJ Watt, 
um, like the Pouncy Brothers, uh, Ryan Kerrigan, like dude, this Cameron Jordan, Mark Ingram, this this draft is just Cameron Hayward, Andy Dalton, Colin Kaepernick was picked in this draft. Like um, this draft is just crazy. It just it was just so it was just so deep with talent. It's absurd, um, yeah. Yeah, and even more so, like, there's guys, because I'm, like, kind of going down the list here, and there's guys like Torrey Smith was picked in this draft, um, Daquan Bowers, or, or Orlando Franklin, Raheem Moore. You know, there's guys that were um, picked in this draft that maybe aren't, like, um, super elite guys like J.J. Watt and A.J. Green and Patrick Peterson, but still were, like, super solid contributing, uh, you know, NFL-level players, like, it's just it's absolutely insane the amount of talent that this draft has. Um and yeah, this was one of the big drafts that I remember playing in Madden, because um, I loved using Cam and the Panthers. I the Panthers are my team in Madden. They were just like unstoppable, especially with Cam and Steve Smith and Greg Olson and uh, Luke Keekley. It was just they were just unstoppable. Yeah. Yeah. That's a absurd team. I wish uh Steve Smith had made it on to that uh Super Bowl team that honestly that probably would have put them over. Um, because I by 2015 Cam was pretty much carrying that offense, but um, yeah, like Cam was super fun to watch. Uh, hasn't had it for a few years now, but like his the combination of physicality and speed and arm talent was something that the league had not really ever seen he was kind of like a you know if uh you combined like ben roethlisberger and michael vick to be honest yeah, exactly. um, and he he set a bunch of rushing records before lamar jackson came in uh broke them <laughs> um but uh yeah he had a crazy career obviously you talk about vaughn uh being his father in the super bowl and um and that yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Got hit through a couple of shots being, and came in there. Being, he said being his father in the Super Bowl. <laughs> being his father in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh no, but that, that 2011 draft is just ridiculous. Um honestly, like you could probably go and, and uh line that up with any other draft in history that has a chance to be one of, if not the most talented drafts uh, that we've ever seen. Um, you have a solid list of future Hall of Famers just sitting there. It's just ridiculous. Um, and, uh, yeah, um, so I suppose, let's see, my fourth moment here, uh, speaking of Lamar Jackson, uh, Ravens trading back into the first round at pick 32 of the 2018 NFL draft uh, to steal QB Lamar Jackson out of Louisville. And uh, Lamar – during that pre-draft process received a lot of criticism. Uh, there were a lot of people that doubted him and doubted uh, whether he could be like a pro level quarterback. He always had the running talent, but obviously people are, they talk about the uh, arm talent. They talk about the longevity uh, or whether he could figure out the pocket um, passing part of it and things like that. Um, and so, you know, you always hear people talk about, I mean, you hear the same things pretty much with, uh, Malik Willis this year, a lot of those, um, mobile quarterbacks hear all the same stuff. Um, but you, based on Lamar Jackson's tape, I never understood why he fell. 
um, because he's he was just clearly a different breed of uh, talent and athlete, in my opinion, than a lot of those that you talk about. Um, and yet he fell all the way to pick 32. Four different quarterbacks picked before him. Um, and all four of those quarterbacks uh, combined tie Lamar's two Pro Bowl selections. And on top of that, Lamar has also won an MVP in 2019, as well as a first-team All-Pro selection, uh, which none of those four uh, picked before him did as well, or have to this point, I should say. Um, so you love to see uh, him get rewarded and him uh, ball out after getting picked. And something that I've talked uh, to you about off the air before is like, with Lamar Jackson, I truly feel like his uh, career may have not gone in the same trajectory had he not landed on a team like the Ravens that was willing to uh, build a playbook around his strengths and build an offense around his strengths and really commit to uh, what they had in him. Because had he, you think, actually, you think about uh, what we were talking about with RG3 and he goes to Washington and in his rookie year, um, he was kind of allowed to be himself and ran a lot um, and had success and had a, a rookie of the year campaign. Um, but he got injured. And so their second year, they ended up changing the playbook and trying to make RG3 more of a pocket passer. And that just wasn't who he was. Um, and it kind of pretty much ruined his career. Um, he kept getting injured, obviously, which was the biggest thing. But that was part of the reason why he did not succeed is because the Ravens or I'm sorry, the uh, Redskins did not put that uh, support system around him, how he needed it and prop up his strengths um, and tried to like force him to be something that he wasn't. So by the Ravens picking Lamar at 32 uh, and then committing to him, I felt like he had pretty much the best possible situation. Uh, you think about him going to like the Jacksonville Jaguars or something like that. Lamar, like I hate to say it because you would think that the, the talent would rise above, but because of he needed development coming out of college and he got that with the Ravens, he got time to do that. And he's in like such a, a run centric offense that the pressure was taken off of him. So if he goes to somebody like the Jags, there's a very real chance Lamar Jackson is not successful for one thing and potentially not even in the league anymore at this point. Yeah, I would say that's a fair point, dude. And it's super unfortunate too, because a lot of the times the more mobile quarterbacks, they don't, um, they don't even get to stick around as like backup quarterbacks a lot of the times because their skill set is so unique. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree with you to the fullest. If Lamar didn't go to uh, John Harbaugh, who was so willing to, you know, move his playbook uh, from a pocket passer and Joe Flacco to, yeah. you know, an extremely mobile quarterback in Lamar Jackson that, um, and the, their roster was just constructed just perfect enough to where all they had to do was tweak a few things and they were ready to run the offense for Lamar and they did it, dude. And it's worked out perfectly for him. And they really like, you can't say enough about um, as much as you can say about how talented Lamar Jackson is. You have to really, really commend John Harbaugh for 
you know, seeing what he saw in him, trading back into the first round to get him, and then then executing because if it doesn't execute it, then it doesn't matter, you know. So, yeah, that, that's a, that's a legit uh, legit draft moment because I remember like I thought Lamar was a crazy crazy prospect coming out of Louisville as well, but I was like, yeah. the thing is, is I, I don't know where he fits with anybody. Like he's just so he's so much of a talent. Uh, ath- uh, athletically wise, that where is he really going to fit? Because if I'm being honest with you, I yeah, I I was one of those guys that thought he was going to convert to wide receiver. Um, you know, because we we had seen Terrell Pryor do it, we had seen a lot of guys do it, and yeah. so I was like, well, I mean, Lamar could probably like I would legitimately remember watching his tape and watching him scramble and trying to like visualize him running routes. Like I swear to you, I was like. Yeah, I could probably see him as a, like a little slot dude. Like he'd probably be all right at it. So I can't even hate, dude. Like Lamar Jackson has done done himself right and his name right. And yeah, so congrats. That is a legit, awesome draft memory. Hell yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, had Lamar switched over to wide receiver, he'd probably be an MVP there too. Like he's just Damn. like. He is a uh, dynamic talent and one of those players that, like, I would say between, like, Tyreek Hill and Lamar Jackson and a few other players, there were a, a few that uh, really kicked off this um, trend in the league of looking for players that can do, like, yard after catch type things and are just really yeah. elusive and breaking tackles and, like, uh, and focusing on just getting those players the ball by any means. You know what I mean? Whether it's on screens or uh, handoffs or sweeps or whatever, um, just those super dynamic athletes have become much more valuable in the league uh, in general. And I do think Lamar was part of that as well. And had he been a wide receiver, that that honestly would have been crazy. It'd be cool to see that in an alternate universe, you know, what kind of wide receiver he could be. Um, but I, I'm pretty glad he's still a quarterback myself, and I bet he probably is too with this bag that he's going to get coming up. Giant bag. It's giant, just such a giant bag. It's going to be dumb. Absolutely. Such a big bag. Right. Uh, and then, so how about your uh, fifth and final moment, Enrique? Uh, my fifth and final moment is pretty simple, uh, Ryan. It's last year's draft, the 2021 draft, and that's because – uh, for the first time, the Jets have had the second overall pick, and we uh, we as you know other Jets fans know we fucked up getting the first overall pick in last year's draft and getting the chance to draft Trevor Lawrence, um, which by the way, fuck Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars, but not not because I have anything against Trevor Lawrence, specifically because we messed up the chance to draft him. But this is my favorite, or this is my fifth and favorite because, um, dude, I love Zach Wilson. I love Zach Wilson yeah. so much. And the fact that we didn't get a chance to draft Trevor Lawrence, who I think is going to have an amazing career. I wish him all the best. Um, it just – I do not wish the Jaguars any success. Um, I think Zach is the uh, – if he's – if Trevor is the best – in that uh, draft class, then Zach's the second best for sure. Um, I love his attitude. Uh, he, I think he is the perfect fit 
in the New York media, the New York market. Yeah. I'm just only concerned about playing ball. Um, I also watched this draft with, you know, just all my loved ones, like I always do. And, you know, we, uh, we had a good old time watching it. Um, you know, I just, so this was a real special draft for me, like just seeing the Jets take their another franchise quarterback. Cause at this point, like I've seen them take franchise quarterback. Like I saw the Geno Smith thing. I saw the Mark Sanchez thing. Like um, I've seen it over and over again. And to finally see the Jets take someone that I believe as probably the best opportunity to actually be a franchise quarterback, because now our team's being ran properly. Yeah. That gives me tons of, tons of hope as a Jets fan, because not only can the kid uh, make all the throws. So physically he can play the game of football, but mentally he wants to play the game of football uh, as a person. He wants to do things correctly. Um, so you just don't have to worry about some of the things that you might have to worry about with, you know, other quarterbacks, whether it's, you know, their play on the field, what they're doing off the field. Zach Wilson checks off all those boxes and uh, yeah. And he's wearing the green and white. So it's uh yeah, like I said, it's, it's very recent, but yeah, very high up there on the list. Cause I think when, when we do this, you know, in uh, another five years, you know, when we're doing another show about the pod, uh, on the podcast about the draft in five years, yeah. uh, Zach, the Zach Wilson draft will be my number one moment because he's going to win bowls for the Jets, son, and he's going to be selected for multiple Pro Bowl selections. So, yes, you know, sir. I'm just, I'm super excited for the future. And yeah, last year's draft was, um, was the drafting of that future. So, and like I said, the draft is always a huge moment for me and my family. So, you know, the fact that I got to watch it with the people I love the most, uh, you know, it's, it's always the best thing. So, yeah, I I loved last year's draft for tons of reasons. Heck yeah, man. And yeah, Zach Olson, I am totally a fan of him too. Um, and I, I think that, you know, not only does he have the intangibles that you want, like you said, the personality uh, to deal with the New York media and just being focused on football, um, and, and the outside things, which is even more important in terms of the uh, Jets being in a place with their general manager and their front office that uh, they're running the team in, uh, you know, I don't want to crap on them, but in a very competent way, which was not the case in certain points in the past. Um, and you think about the Sam Darnold area era and how that could have, like, Sam Darnold, in my opinion, had the chance to be a successful quarterback. Um, and I, I would imagine you would agree that, like, obviously part of it was him just not playing well enough and not progressing. But obviously another part of it was the coaching staff and the front office not putting him in um, a supportive enough position or supported enough position to succeed. Um, and I don't think that that's going to be the case with Zach Wilson. And I think that he, as he showed last year, and as you've talked about, he showed that uh, he's started to progress throughout the year, played his best football at the end of the year. Um, and I'm really excited for you guys' future, for sure. Yeah, exactly. So just one of those things, dude, that it's really, it's really just that, that, that pick for me was just looking towards the future. And that's why, uh, that's what I had to include it, dude. What about you? What's your uh, what's your fifth and final one? So for me, my fifth and final moment uh, 
really cool one here to me in the 2018 draft as well. Same draft as the Lamar Jackson pick. Uh, Shaquem Griffin selected uh, 141st overall by the Seahawks. And uh, his brother Shaquille Griffin uh, at the time was on the roster, now with the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. And uh, so those two brothers got to play together. And Shaquem is a really cool story. Uh, he had to have his left hand amputated when he was four years old due to amniotic band syndrome. Um, and just, you know, him and his brother, they've always wanted to be in the NFL from the sounds of it. And it was always their dream. And obviously Shaquille, a Pro Bowl player, really good player. And Shaquem was solid in college and, and was right there with his brother. I, I almost want to say, too, I remember reading about um, that Shaquille was he specifically wanted to go to a school that would uh, offer his brother as well. And so they both ended up going to UCF and having a good career there. And I believe they were actually part of the uh, national championship year that uh, UCF had. Um, and then they ended up getting to play together with the Seahawks for a good couple of years. Um, and unfortunately, Shaquem Griffin isn't on a roster at the moment um, and has kind of struggled to find a role. But the fact that he got to the NFL and made his NFL dreams come true and was able to actually uh, have any, you know, career in the NFL is, number one, astounding and uh, just a super cool story to hear about. Oh yeah, for sure. I definitely agree. I, I remember this moment in the draft as well. And yeah, I thought it was awesome. Uh, I remember watching a little ESPN, like, you know, pre-draft coverage about him and, you know, all the, all the obstacles that he had to face uh, to get into the NFL and to get the opportunity to play uh, alongside your brother, you know, as someone that works alongside, you know, his own brother, I think it's uh, a super, super special opportunity just to, you know, get in there and see how your brother goes to work. And, um, yeah, I can't even imagine, you know, especially um, as a parent, you know, uh, to see to see both your sons play on the same NFL team, especially with uh, the obstacles that one of them had to overcome. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Sometimes that's what the draft, like, uh, we forget that although it's like cool football stuff, like, these are a, a lot of guys' dreams and hopes that are finally coming true. And, you know, yeah. it's the financial, it's the financial freedom to change their family's lives. And, you know, yeah. hopefully they're able to, uh, to do, to do that and to make good on all these things. Um, and even more so like you, it gets, it just gets, it gets a lot deeper when you add the the family aspect to it. So yeah, I think that's an awesome moment for sure. And I'm, I'm glad it's one that you brought up because yeah, I totally forgot about it because I was, I was too busy hyping up uh, Zach Wilson. <laughs> hey, he's, he's worth hyping up though, but yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And it's, it's, you know, I'm glad you brought that up as well as it's a totally different side of the game and the draft is life-changing money for not only them, but their families a lot of the time. Um, and finally, you know, the dream that they've been working for since they were small children um, and that day finally uh, where it's being achieved. Uh, so yeah, really cool story to hear about. Uh, and that's one that is always going to stick in my mind. Um, and then 
one last one that I wanted to sneak in here. That's kind of a nothing burger, but I love it anyways. Um, in the 2020 draft. So this was the pandemic draft. Um, and rather than having it happen at uh, one location with all the different, uh, you know, team representatives and uh, how they normally do it, they had everybody do it from home or from their whatever war room in a facility or whatever. And uh, in Bill Belichick, he decided to do it at his home. He had a nice little camera set up at like his dinner table and he had like a laptop and stuff. And uh, there was a couple of times where they, he was uh, the Patriots were going to make a pick or whatever. And they cut to his camera and he has a little dog Nike, who I believe was like a little, it looks like a Husky mix or something along those lines. And it was sitting uh, in his seat in front of his computers uh, like he's doing the work. Um, so now I, I guess we know the secret behind the Patriots magic and why they are just so consistently good is they, they got the dog Nike pulling all the strings. Uh, yeah, I like, that's like the one Patriot moment that I actually like legitimately do enjoy because that dog is pretty cute, dude. And it was like, right. the most like super like perfect. Like you couldn't just have planned it any better. So they just like panned over the dog just sitting there. Just yeah. so, so, so hilarious. It's like the one thing about Bill Belichick that I'll admit is his dog is pretty cute. <laughs> yeah, and right. like randomly named Nike, like that's hilarious. I know. I was like, do they just like pay him to like, oh, if you name your dog Nike, we'll give you like a million bucks. He's like, okay. Well, right. Exactly. Like, that's fine. <laughs> that, that's fine. I don't care uh yeah uh okay so yeah that was our our both of our top five slash six draft moments as i sneak one in there um draft is super fun to talk about every single year uh but not only to talk about beforehand and all the players but just like i said in the beginning is like it's almost kind of a uh, reality tv show event sometimes and there's just some funny moments there's some dramatic moments there's some cool moments when you think about um, you know, generational wealth for uh, your family and, and people earning their dreams like Enrique brought up. And um, yeah, something we thought we would talk about and I'm glad we did. Um, and then so to move on here, uh, the NBA is starting their playoffs actually uh, today, the 16th. Um, and uh, so we figured we would go through and give a couple predictions a uh, couple games have already started here. Uh, the first game of the Mavericks and Jazz series actually already happened. Uh, the Jazz won 99 to 93, I believe it was, against the Mavs. And uh, Luca was out the first game. I don't think we have an update on how long exactly he will be out. Um, but for me, my prediction before that. Uh, if they do have Luca throughout the series at some point, even if it's a couple games in, um, I think it's the Mavs in six. Uh, but if they don't get Luca back at all, I think the Jazz can pull it out in seven. Yeah, I would probably say with Luca, uh, with Luca, actually, I, I think regardless, it's going to be a seven game series for sure. I yeah. think it's going to be a pretty close series, but. I, I think the yeah, just it really just depends on how long Luca's out. That's going to be the determining factor for me on who wins. If yeah. Luca's out uh, an extended amount of time, then 
I think the Jazz will probably take it. Otherwise, if Luke is able to get back um, right away, then I would say that the Mavs, the Mavs uh, should look to take them out. Yeah, but the Jazz are good, dude. Like I don't know. They are they are good, but they've had some kind of you know discord over this this season here. And to be honest with you, we'll have to see how they continue playing. But I watched that first game before we started recording here, and although the Jazz won, they I felt like it without Luca, it really should be a situation where the Jazz are talented enough where they should be winning by like ten plus, and they had yeah. multiple points in that game where they were not only not winning by 10 plus, but they were behind, you know what I mean? And the Mavs were uh, showing a lot of heart and the jazz were not giving that same level of effort, at least in this first game. Um, so we'll have to see uh, what happens with that, but they, they took it. So, I mean, you can't discredit them too much because they ended up winning it. So uh, at least that first game, um, but uh, yeah. And so uh, next series here, uh, the Suns versus the Pelicans. For me, I have the Suns in five. I like the Pelicans. Uh, it, they're a cool story coming out of the trade deadline, getting CJ uh, from the uh, uh, Blazers. And um, he has changed their fortunes a little bit. They still don't have Zion. They're waiting for him to return from injury. But uh, between CJ and uh, – oh, my gosh. Brandon Ingram. Thank you. I was all of a sudden blanking on his name, Brennan. And he just balled out last night too um, in the play-in game. Yeah. Uh, to, to earn them that spot. Um, and I'm excited for him. That's going to be Brandon Ingram's first time in the playoffs, as far as I'm aware. Um, and uh, I'm excited to see what he can do. He's a rising young player. I don't think that the Pelicans are strong enough right now, especially without Zion to actually go anywhere and especially against the Suns. Um, but I'm glad to see them earn that play in spot. Um, and uh, it, as I talk to uh, my son, I have a friend that's a Suns fan. Um, and a couple of days ago, I was talking to him about the play in game and I was like, it, it'll be a fun game to watch, but it's pretty much pointless because they're fighting for a ticket to get their uh, butts kicked by the Suns. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's going to be. You know, pretty much the same thing uh, over here with me. I think the Suns will probably do it. And, and uh, I mean, if they don't sweep them, um, you know, it, it'll be it'll be five games for sure. The Pels might get one game. So, yeah, it, yeah, it very well could be a sweep. But, I, you know, I figured I'd be nice and slip a game in there for the Pelicans. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, so, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, yeah, I'm probably going to go, like, if D-Book's healthy, like, it's going to be the Suns pretty easy in that one. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the page I'm on. The Suns are just – they've just been ridiculously good all year, so it's, it's hard to see otherwise. But, you know, as a Nuggets fan who, if we have any chance whatsoever of competing, uh, hopefully the Suns are not somebody we'd have to face. Um, so I would love if the Pelicans just decide to show up out of absolutely nowhere and knock off the Suns. That would just be fantastic. So, you know. Uh, but speaking of the Nuggets, our next series here that we're going to talk about is the Warriors versus the Nuggets, which is starting tonight, and I cannot wait for. Um, for me, 
am a diehard Nuggets fan. I love the Nuggets, especially this year. This has been bar none, honestly, my favorite year to watch basketball just straight up. Um, I'm a huge Jokic fan and I love watching him play the game of basketball. Um, and he should win his back-to-back MVP coming up here uh, because he deserves it. And uh, unfortunately, though, I feel like with the absence of uh, MPJ and Jamal Murray, um, Jamal Murray could return during this series, but I am not expecting it. I think he's going to wait until next year, and I think that that's the right decision. Um, But – I just don't think that the Nuggets have enough firepower to get past the Warriors. I think the Warriors have enough defense that they can um, make Jokic have to find other outlets, but we don't have enough other outlets that are actually going to make their shots. Um, And then on top of that, the Warriors have really good guard depth. Uh, And you think about not only Curry and Clay. And our starting guards are going to be like legitimately there's a possibility we could be starting Austin Rivers as a shooting guard because he's our second best uh, guard defender on the entire roster. Like that's how bad it is with our guard depth right now. So we're going to be starting Monte Morris and then probably like Will Barton. But throughout the series, there's a possibility that it could be Austin Rivers. And then on the second unit, uh, you have Jordan Poole, who I expect to just go off. Like he may actually like if there was an uh, MVP of the first round, he actually may have that from this series because our not only is our starting guard depth awful, but then you look at the secondary guard depth. And my favorite player in the league right now is Bones Highland. He's not. Like he he can play defense. He's not a defensive player. He's and he's small. So it's just not going to happen. Um, and then you have obviously Austin Rivers or like Faku Capazzo defending Jordan Poole. So um, I think that kind of just speaks for itself. You know, I I I as much as I love the Nuggets, I just can't. I, I can't expect them to get out of this series. Uh, but I'll be happy if they manage it somehow. Um, I did at least be nice to my Nuggets and gave them a six-game series, series, but I think the Warriors will take it in that many. Yeah, I'm going to have to say the Warriors in, um, in five or six, um, just really depending on how, how effective uh, Nicola could be in regards to if he can, if he can ball out and have uh, two huge games, I could see it being a six-game series. Um, but if the Warriors are able to kind of clamp him down and yeah, once, once those splash brothers start going off, it's going to be really hard to match the firepower with them. I think that's the biggest thing is like, you're just trying to match firepower and you just don't really have that if you're the Warriors or if you're the Nuggets. Um, and then, yeah, the minute those guys come out, uh, then you have Jordan Poole ready to go in there and, and ball the fuck out himself. Yeah, it's um, absurd. Gary, Gary Payton in the second. Like, it's yeah. just, yeah, it's, it's, it's really rough. Don't, we can't even forget. Andrew uh, Wiggins. Oh, yeah, Wiggins. that's who I was going to bring up. It's like he's had a resurgence this year, too. And you have – I would expect Aaron Gordon. Uh, if I We have seen Aaron Gordon on Curry in previous times uh, during the season against the Warriors, so that could happen. But I would think that 
most likely uh, we'll see Gordon more on um, Wiggins, but he's a, another threat. It's just like everywhere you look on that roster, like they have a real, real chance to uh, compete for a championship this year. Um, and I'm so, I'm so tired of the Warriors. Like I, I, I was happy to see them bad for like a couple of years. And I love Steph Curry. That's the thing is like, I really actually like Steph Curry. I like Clay Thompson a lot. Clay Thompson is low key. One of my favorite players in the league. Cause he's just a great person just straight up. Um, but, uh, and I really like Draymond too, but um, yeah, I hate the Warriors and I would like them to stop winning. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of Draymond or Steph. I like Clay a little bit, but otherwise, um, yeah, I don't really, I don't really like any of them foos. Like it's like the Patriots of the uh, NBA. Yeah, well, well, like they just they took too many rings from LeBron. So. Yeah, if, no, that, if, that's fair. If you ever took a ring from LeBron, I don't like you. Completely understandable. Um, yeah. So and then so our next series here is the Grizzly, Grizzlies versus the Timberwolves, which uh, is actually the first game is on as we speak. Uh, there's nine minutes left in the fourth quarter, and it is 106 Minnesota to uh, 98 uh, with Memphis. And it's been a close game this whole first game. Both teams are playing well. Um, they're playing hungry. They're both younger teams. Um, I think that you could say that the Timberwolves have a little bit more age going on um, when you talk about Cat and some of their other core. Um, but they have some young pieces as well. Um, and so I, I think it's going to be a very, very competitive series. Um, personally, I think the Grizzlies have the talent to take over. Um, and initially, I my uh, um, prediction is the Grizzlies in five. Uh, watching this first game, the Timberwolves are making it more competitive than I had initially expected. But I think I'm still going to stick with that because I, I really do think that like the Grizzlies have not only the talent and uh, the like momentum throughout the season because they've been successful, but the hunger for it. And especially jaw like that, that dude just, he looks hungry as hell. Like he just wants it so bad. He remind you know what he reminds me of is um, like early Michael Jordan when he was trying to get over the hump of like trying to actually compete and he was mad about um, being compared to uh, like Larry Bird and uh, Magic Johnson and not uh, winning a chip and all that. That's kind of what Jaw reminds me of right now is he just wants it so bad. Just like uber competitive, like just wants it, wants to win more than anything else in the world. Right. Yeah. I don't know how far that's all that'll take them. And we kind of talked about this off air a little bit is like, I, you know, roster wise, I don't think the Grizzlies have what they need to compete for an actual championship this year, um, just in terms of depth and all that. Uh, but they have a really nice young core. And once all of those players refine their game more, get a little bit better and they fill out that roster a little more, that's a real, real, real competitor. Um, and the Timberwolves, have an interesting future as well. You know, I don't know. Like, I, I think they can compete, especially with Anthony Edwards, if he continues to uh, improve, because he's already a ridiculous young player, but he just only seems to be getting better. And then Kat seems to be rising with him. 
you know, Cat almost seems like uh, when they were unsuccessful, he was kind of stagnant. But now that they have some teammates and he has like an actual chance to go somewhere, dude is locked in. Um, and it's kind of been fun to see. So uh, this series could really go either way, but I'm sticking to Grizzlies in five. Um, yeah, I would go ahead and say that I'm going to agree. Um, I'm going to say Grizzlies in six. I think the Wolves are going to make it a little bit tougher than, than we're thinking. But, yeah, I'm going to say Grizzlies, uh, Grizzlies in six. Heck yeah. Yeah. And it's, it'll be a fun one to watch for sure. You know, like we we're talking about two young teams have a, uh, well, two young ish teams. One is super young. One has some older talent, but um, definitely rising teams in general and better this year than they have been in the past. Um, and their arrows firmly pointing up. And then, so we can move over to the Eastern conference here. Uh, the first series I have the heat versus the Hawks. Uh, Heat just got in, or I'm sorry, the Hawks just got in last night uh, during the play-in game. Trey Young, my God, dude. I don't know if you watched that game, but he, they were losing for a good chunk of that game against the Cavs, and they came back, and that dude is just ice cold. Like, he does not give a single fuck, and he is there to break hearts. I, I am not a Trey Young fan, but the more that I see him do that and the more I see him do that, not uh, against my 76ers in particular, like it, it's hard to not respect the dude. Dude, I love Trey Young so much. Like I am the biggest fan of Ice Trey. Like I, I love, I love it. I just, I love him so much. I love the coldness of it. I love how like, I fell in love with him when he was doing all that stuff in Madison Square Garden when he was uh, when he was playing the Knicks uh, last year in last year's playoffs. Just like the taking the bow, the the shushing, the all that stuff is just goaded for me. Like I just love an uber competitive player that knows he's good and like talks the talk, but then walks the walk. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, I I, I love it. I wish I could go. I wish I could take the Hawks. I really do wish I could take the Hawks. I was going to say the same thing about the Wolves, too. Like, I wish I could take these two teams because I, I love players on those teams so much. I just can't do it, though. Like, I yeah. just can't do it. I just cannot pick the Hawks in this in this, uh, in this series. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I have the Heat in six. And um, the Heat is just – they're a buzzsaw. They're the first seed. Uh, they had some things they had to kind of work out throughout the year and they've had their fights or whatever, but they've been consistently successful. Uh, Kyle Lowry was a great ad for them. Um, and yeah, it's, it's hard to see them falling to the Hawks, but I thought that the Cavs were going to win too. Um, and so, you know, with ice tray, I guess we never know and we'll have to see what happens. Yeah. That's why I like the, that's why I like heat and six. I'll even say Heat and seven, um, yeah. because like there is like the Trey Young factor of like dude could dude could go off and get him uh get him two or three wins. Like I'm not I'm not opposed to that either. He could make it a bit harder for sure. For sure. Yeah. Uh, and then so our next series here, my 76ers versus the Raptors. Um, I'm kind of terrified about this one. Not even gonna lie to you. Uh, 
I am going to take the Sixers and seven. Uh, I think we have the talent to get over the Raptors. However, I think it could go either way. And the Raptors actually own the season series against uh, the 76ers at three to one. So, and granted, uh, I would have to look up the specific games, but I believe two of those were played without James Harden uh, before he got here. Um, But still, it's the Raptors are a talented team. They're starting to find a little bit more of their groove with their uh, refined core after losing a few of those players after their championship run, um, including Kyle Lowry, who we just talked about. And uh, yeah, it's, it'll be a really, I honestly, that's one of my most anticipated series of the first round. Um, Cause I think that's straight up like a, uh, like that could be a, a third round matchup that would be conceivable. Um, so I'll take it in the first round too. Uh, but a couple more of those as well here. Um, another series is the, or I'm sorry, did I already ask you your, did I just skip your prediction for uh, the Sixers oh, Raptors? Uh, well, I mean, you did, but sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. I'll, I'm going to go ahead and uh, just ditto with you. Um, I think, I think Sixers and seven, I think James Harden just puts them, just puts it right over. Um, but I, I do think the Raptors are going to play them tough. Um, so yeah, but no, we can, we can, we can move on. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, um, really, but yeah, so next series here is the Bucks for the versus the Bulls. Uh, for me, this is pretty clear cut. The Bulls were pretty uh, fun to watch earlier in the season with their new core, uh, but with a lot of the injuries, you have uh, not Lamelo, uh, Lonzo Ball out for the rest of the year. I think Caruso is out the rest of the year as well. Um, yeah, Demar cool. Rosen has kind of slowed down. Um, and yeah, the, to me, uh, there's no way in hell that, uh, Giannis is going to lose that. I think the Bucks just straight up sweep. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to double down and say that the Bucks probably sweep. Yeah. That, that seems like the consensus. Um, I, you know, it'd be crazy to see the Bulls pull something off, but the Bucks are just way too talented and they're mostly healthy as far as I'm aware. Um, yeah, so, yeah exactly. Uh, and then our final series here is the Celtics versus the Nets. And I was talking about series that you could conceivably conceivably have at like the third round. This is one of those, in my opinion, as well. And honestly, probably the most uh, anticipated series for me. Um, the Nets, obviously, we all know what they are. Uh, possible that Ben Simmons is going to come back at some point during the playoffs. I don't know that it's going to be during this series. Um, I think I read that he's just now starting like, um, uh, you know, like scrimmages against teammates, uh, but I don't, it's probably going to take him some time to work up to actually returning. So you have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, full-time player now uh, versus the Celtics who struggled early in the season and their core, there's a lot of questions as there has been the last few years, but uh, latter half of the season, they have come together and just been, an absolute buzzsaw. Um, and, you know, you even talked to me a little bit about going to a Nuggets game versus the Celtics where they just destroyed us um, as they did a lot of teams uh, uh, like on their away games in the second half of that season. So uh, I'm actually going to take the Celtics in seven. Yeah, I'm going to take the Celtics in seven as well. Uh, for me, this is the, this is besides maybe like, I think the Grizzlies and the Wolves 
Lakers are fun because they're like two young teams. Uh, I love Luca, so you know I like to see a competitive, competitive, uh, you know, series with Luca in it. Um, Sixers and Raptors very competitive as well. But yeah, I think this is going to be the best series of them all. Um, and yeah, I think we can. Yeah, like just like you said, I think we could see this. Um, uh, you know, we could have seen this like later on down the line as well. Um, but yeah, like just seeing the Celtics uh, firsthand, seeing Jason Tatum live, um, dude's a monster. Like he really does. Well, like once he gets hot, it is really hard to stop him. And then he like literally thrives in the like the in the midst of these Nuggets fans boo- booing him, like he was like just loving it. Like he was just turned it on even more so. So yeah, I think uh, I think Jason Tatum's like finally like stepping into like the role that he's like had and the fine like he's just finally stepped into that superstar role uh, for the Celtics. And I think he's just gonna take him uh, as far as he can this year. The East, the East could be pretty crazy. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and honestly, this is one of the most talented just like NBAs in general that I can remember. Both the West and the East have some really talented, talented teams on them. Um, and it's pretty open despite that. And yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see how these play, uh, play out for sure. Um, so uh, we're going to start with a little bit different structure for our episodes this week. Um, we still want to talk about the UFC 273 card. Um, however, we're going to go ahead and split it up into two separate episodes for you guys and make them uh, a little bit easier to swallow. Um, so for this section, that's actually going to do it. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, for UFC, UFC fans, we'll see you guys on the other side. And for everybody else, we'll see you next week. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Later.